Aaron Ramsdale's sweating over his position in the Arsenal starting lineup. Thomas Partey is going to be out for around about six weeks or so, and we'll be reviewing the audio from the VAR decision that led to Anthony Taylor overturning Arsenal's penalty award at the weekend. We'll get into all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. It's that time of the week where I bring you a podcast from a hole somewhere in the uh, 90 min office. Um, we've got these brilliant new video booths, like or not video booths, but meeting booths where you can go in, you can shut the door. They're really spacious. They've got a little bit of a desk. You've got plug sockets. You can plug all your equipment in, all the rest of it, and you can get on with your calls. And I've been recording podcasts in them quite often of late, but you snooze, you lose. I saw one booth free, decided I'd run to the gents quickly uh, before I set up my stuff. And when I come back, it was taken. So uh, I'm in the old one, which is tiny. This is as wide as I can open my arms for those of you watching um, on uh, on video. But at least we've got some quiet and at least we've got a place uh, from which to bring you a live edition of the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. As I say, it is Wednesday the 6th of September. International break is upon us. It is a little bit slow in terms of news. There's no doubt about that. This is the kind of time where we can, I guess, reflect on stuff that we've seen so far this season. We can have some of those longer debates that maybe, you know, we don't have time for in the middle of a season where everything's so frantic. And particularly once the Champions League gets going, it's going to be literally weekend, midweek game. So you're going to have uh, preview shows of the weekend games straight after the review shows of the midweek games. And then you're going to have previews of the midweek games straight after the review shows of the weekend games. It's all going to get a little bit hectic and a little bit messy. Um, and so I, I guess it's important that we take time uh, during periods like this to debate some of the stuff that maybe we wouldn't get a chance to normally. Um, he says that, but we're not really going to get into any debates today. Um, not 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 in terms of generic ones anyway. We're going to keep it topical. Um, just a quick reminder that there is a new members podcast out for those of you that are subscribed on the Another Slice platform. Uh, we discuss the Kai Havertz conundrum. What's his best position? Who's to blame for him being largely ineffective in the Premier League for Arsenal so far? Is he actually playing as a left eight? Is it on Mikel Arteta or is it on Kai Havertz to deliver? Um, or in terms of, you know, what Kai Havertz is bringing to the team, who's responsible? Is it the position he's being played in or is it him as an individual not pulling his weight? We get into all of that on that edition uh, of the podcast. It's called the Kai Havertz Conundrum. And if you visit the link in the description below, get yourselves over to the Another Slice platform. You'll be able to find it and, uh, and you can check it out and let me know your thoughts. If you're not a member and you're considering becoming one, if you go over to another slice and you sign up, if you enter the discount code when prompted free episode, it will allow you to access this Kai Havertz episode for free until the end of the month. And then you can decide whether or not you think a subscription is worth it. What do we do with the subscriptions? Um, it's only right that I tell you uh, we do make a donation to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital charity. Uh, every single uh, round when we get the membership payments through. Uh, but we use it as well to to fund stuff like the software that we're using. You know, um, StreamYard costs uh, to have the premium version that we do. We 
have costs when it comes to equipment. Um, you know, I have costs sometimes traveling to places to do bits of content. Like basically it just keeps the podcast going. And and my dream and my idea, hopefully down the line, is to be able to bring a junior producer on board who can do all the editing, who can do all the cutting, who will do it to a much higher standard than me, leaving me to just focus on the content and not the social media side and all the rest of it. Because I think I can give more uh, that way than I do currently because I'm not the most technical guy. As those of you who have been watching or listening to this for a while will know because we are uh, constantly fighting microphone problems, internet issues, all the rest of it. Um, and we don't put out any social clips or anything like that. This is all stuff that we need to be doing to take the Chronicles of Aguna podcast to the next level. You're under no obligation to become a member. I don't want anybody to feel like that. Um, that is not the point of this. Uh, but if you do fancy checking it out and fancy supporting the podcast, the link is in the description below. But anyway, enough about that. Let's say some hellos. Uh, we've got Damien in the chat who says, I'm late. Harry's later. I'm always late, mate. Uh, we've got Mafia Boss. Uh, we've got Sammy Guna, uh, who joins us uh, from the US, I'm assuming, judging by the flag. Uh, in the screen, then we've got Wandering Minstrel. Greetings, Harry, and all fellow Gooners. Pete is with us at HE. Uh, Richard says, uh, how are we doing, Harry? Hope you're well, fella. I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. Um, I, I quite enjoy Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the moment because they're a little bit quieter days for me. You know, the weekend is hectic. We've got the football. We go to the football. Often I'm covering other games as well, which means I've got to do a lot more preparation because it's not always teams that I know uh, inside out like I do with the Arsenal. So, yeah, the weekends are mad for me. The end of the week and the beginning of the week are really crazy. But when we get to Tuesday or Wednesday, it's kind of my time to just unwind a little bit. So I'm enjoying today, I have to say. I'm in the office, but it's not too much of a crazy day. Uh, we've got Mohammed in the chat as well. Um, we've got some questions coming through about David Raya. Uh, we'll get on to that in a minute. That's our main subject that we're going to be discussing on this episode. <laughs> Wandering Minstrel says... There's more room in the Sky High Club or uh, Harry based on the fact that I'm in this booth. Look, you can see Look, I can bet this is how wide I can open my arms in this thing. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think uh, it depends what airline you're flying with, whether there's the whether there's more room or not. Uh, we've got uh, Stan joining us. We've got Haji Mohammed as well, who says uh, big up, bro. Harry afternoon. Arsenal fans from Chennai, India. Big shout out to everybody joining us from that part of the world. Uh, we've got um, Casey Clips. Uh, we've got the Italian Stallion. Rydog uh, talks Kai Havertz. We'll take questions and thoughts on whatever subjects you want a little bit later on. So just hold fire on those. Let's run through our stories today. And we're going to begin with the piece uh, from Sammy Mockbell in which he talks about Aaron Ramsdale and David Raya. Who is going to be the number one moving forward? We'll get into that in just a sec. So Sammy Mockbell of the Daily Mail has put a piece out in which he, he leads with the line of Aaron Ramsdale is sweating over his position as Arsenal's number one. He goes on to say that Arteta is weighing up, handing Raya a, and I quote, prolonged first team chance, having impressed in training. So this piece is suggesting that Aaron Ramsdale's position as number one goalkeeper at Arsenal isn't safe, that David Raya has been so good in training that Mikel Arteta and his staff have almost been taken aback by it, so much so that they're considering, despite Aaron Ramsdale not being bad, I don't think, at the start of the season, they're considering making a change here. Now, when I read this, I thought, oh, 
that's interesting. You know, David Raya has done that well in training that Mikel Arteta is, is, you know, considering taking out Aaron Ramsdale, who's put so much faith and trust in since he brought him to the club. I, I, I thought, wow, you know, this, this really could be something. And then I read the rest of the piece and I was kind of waiting for a, a, another nugget of information, if you like, that was going to convince me that this is on the cards, that this is happening. Now, let me be clear. I'm not discrediting what Sammy Mockbell is saying or has written. I'm not saying that this isn't going to happen. I don't have that information either way. But the more I read through the piece, the more I felt like this was not as big a deal as the headline would suggest, if that makes sense. Now, the reason I say that is when you break this down and you think about it logically, what was David Raya brought in to do? He was brought in to compete with Aaron Ramsdale. Now, if David Raya is performing in training, which I expect him to be, and I expect all professionals to be giving it their absolute all in training, then of course there's a chance that he will get a go. If he was brought in to compete with Aaron Ramsdale, of course, there is a possibility that at some point, Mikel Arteta is going to go, ah, you know what? You deserve a chance. I'm going to give it to you. Like, to me, there isn't really anything concrete in this story that says Aaron Ramsdale's immediate future in the first team is in danger. David Raya is coming in and that's it. It's it's a, a headline that catches you. It's a headline that hooks you in, which I guess is what they're designed to do. But does it actually give us anything concrete to suggest that Mikel Arteta is now at the point that he will take Aaron Ramsdale out of the side um, and put David Raya in when it comes to Premier League matches? We know that yesterday Arsenal got permission from Brentford to use David Raya in the Carabao Cup clash between the two sides. And we know that that is something that probably suggests that Arsenal will turn to him in that game. I mean, if he doesn't get opportunities in the Carabao Cup, then when is he going to get opportunities? You know, because do you go into the Champions League with your second choice goalkeeper, if indeed that's what he is? I don't know. Mikel Arteta has repeatedly told us that there is no number one at Arsenal, that they're both going to compete for that spot. In which case, what is this story telling us? Nothing. This story is one that I think is an opinion that has been, you know, or, or, or is a bit of information that's come through, i.e. David Rye has been really good in training. Aaron Ramsdale's a little bit concerned about it. That's been turned into a bigger deal than it actually is. I know I've gone around the houses in saying this and getting to this point, but the point is there is no story here. Um, if, if David Rye is good enough, he will find his way into the side at some point because at some point, Aaron Ramsdale's form will drop. What I will say to people is this. Everybody keeps looking at Aaron Ramsdale from week to week now, I feel, particularly since we signed David Raya, and micro-analyzing every single thing he does. I go back to the Fulham game, where Arsenal gave the ball away sloppily through Bukayo Saka. Aaron Ramsdale had to backpedal because he started in a really high position, which is the manager's instruction, by the way, Pereira, who then took the effort on, I think, tried to chip Aaron Ramsdale, but got it wrong. And in getting it wrong and sending it to the right of Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale had to try readjust as he was running backwards. He lost his footing. He fell over. And I remember coming away from that game and I was on holiday at the time, but I remember scrolling through social media 
and reading everybody's responses and, and reading how outraged people were with Aaron Ramsdale's part in that goal. The reason Aaron Ramsdale got caught out there was because of his positioning. Now, whether David Raya or Aaron Ramsdale start in goal for Arsenal, they will both be taking up similar positions because that is a part of the way the team is set up. That is what um, Mikel Arteta is asking of his goalkeepers. He's asking them to start high. He's asking them to offer an option as an outlet. He's asking them to be on the edge of the box um, or as close to as possible, sometimes even further up the pitch in order to sweep up certain situations when he pushes his defensive line higher up the pitch. I'm, I'm not even against the idea of David Raya getting a go. Like, I'm not even against that. But I, I've felt ever since we've been linked with David Raya that there's been so much disrespect towards Aaron Ramsdale, who's been a brilliant goalkeeper for us, with the exception of one or two moments. But even the very best, even your Allisons, your Edisons, you know, your Thibaut Courtois, they've all had moments where they've made mistakes. It's part of football. And unfortunately, when you're a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, you are the last line of defence. And therefore, you are more likely to be punished for your mistake than, for example, a striker that misses a chance. This is just the goalkeeper's life. And um, and so, yes, David Raya may well be performing in training. So, yes, there is potential that he will take Aaron Ramsdale's position at some point. But this piece doesn't actually confirm that in any way. All it does is says that there is a possibility of that, which we all knew because Mikel Arteta has been saying for weeks that there is no number one. They're both competing for that spot. They're both on equal par and it's up to them to fight for that position. And all along, people have been critical of Arsenal for even making this deal. You know, why bring in another goalkeeper? What does that do to Aaron Ramsdale? Actually, he's stuck a rocket up his backside and I think he's played well. It's something that raises and elevates the level of our goalkeeping department, generally speaking, which is always a good thing. So, yeah, to me, um, you know, I, I want them both to be competing. I want David Raya to be given some opportunities because I think he's too good a goalkeeper not to be given those opportunities. But I think initially those chances are probably going to come at this stage in the cup competitions. And he would have known that full well when he joined the football club. He would have known... Um, how highly Aaron Ramsdale is regarded within the Arsenal setup. He would have known that Aaron Ramsdale has performed admirably since joining the football club. And he would have known that he was going to need to buy this time a little bit, show what he can do on the training ground, obviously, and put that thought in the back of the manager's mind. But he would have known that he's unlikely, particularly at the start, barring a disaster for Aaron Ramsdale, to be first choice in the Premier League. That moment may well come where that decision is going to be made. And that moment may well come where there is a changing of the guard in between the sticks. But this piece sort of blew up yesterday online last night when it came out. The reaction to it has been, oh my God, Aaron Ramsdale's being dropped. Some have said good. Others have said, what the hell are you doing? And the truth is that this piece doesn't tell us either way uh, who's going to be in between the sticks for Arsenal when we return to Premier League action in a little while to take on Everton. So, I just wanted to discuss that because I think the reaction to it has been overblown. Often, I've said to you guys before, we get pieces that are built on the smallest bit of information. You know, a one-liner could be David Raya's training really well and Aaron Ramsdale's feeling the heat and bang, that's a piece. And then from that piece, 
you get it regurgitated and you get it, what's the word, aggregated. From the aggregation comes slight mistranslation at times, uh, changing of wording and all the rest of it. And from that, you can go from A to Z very, very quickly. And I just think it's important that when these stories come out, we actually read them figure out what they're actually telling us, figure out what's information and what's opinion. Because I think there's quite a bit of opinion mixed into this piece, maybe dressed up as editorial um, information, but it, it feels like an opinion piece predominantly to me. And um, and so, yep, it's great to hear that David Rye is training well, but I don't think we should be jumping to conclusions, conclusions that suggest that David Rye is going to start in goal against Everton when we return, as I say, to Premier League action. We're going to take a really, really short pause and then we're going to talk Thomas Partey. We're going to be discussing the VAR audio that has been released following Anthony Taylor's decision to overturn the penalty he awarded to Arsenal at the weekend. Have the referees and the officials covered themselves in glory here? Do we see a process well worked or have they made themselves look worse? We'll get into that in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. Um, how's it going? Good to see so many of you in the live chat. Uh, Rydog says, just like the title of this video, right, Harry? When I say that uh, the article is is designed to to drive traffic. And well, my title is a question. David Raya to replace Ramsdale as number one? I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying... Um, that is the case. I'm not saying that is definitely uh, going to happen. I've literally put a question mark because it's a, it's a question that I wanted to discuss um, rather than a statement of fact. Punctuation is everything, my friend. Um, anyway, let's quickly talk about Thomas Partey. We discussed uh, a little bit about his injury yesterday with Mike. Uh, from the Gooners pod. Uh, we discussed it on the show the day before as well, uh, where we broke it down uh, following the report that came out claiming that it was a six-week um, stint on the sidelines that we could expect for the Ghanaian. I've not had any more information, not heard anything different, but it was backed up, that six-week claim, by Charles Watts today, who I trust uh, and I think is one of the best Arsenal sources out there. He came out and said... Um, that it is likely to be a, a six-week period uh, on the sidelines for the Ghanaian. And listen, this is not ideal. And I was annoyed about it when I first heard about it because every time Thomas Partey breaks down, you're like, here we go again. But um, it could be worse. It, it could be worse. Um, we've got Jorginho. We've got Declan Rice, who seems to be getting better and better with each passing week. It's clear at the moment that Arteta only really wants to play with one defensive midfielder and relies on that midfield control coming from his fullback inverting. So it, it probably isn't something we're going to feel as much as we did in previous years, because as I say, we have Declan Rice there now, and we have Jorginho too, when you want to play with those two sort of slightly deeper players. But yeah, it is frustrating, but good to hear that there isn't any further issues and that it isn't the three, four month uh, period on the sidelines that was being reported when that news first broke. Uh, by some sources. Uh, we'll get into your questions in a bit. Um, start throwing them in the chat box. We're only going to do a half an hour show today. Uh, as I say, a bit of a slow news day, but wanted to highlight the David Rye stuff. Uh, and I want to get into uh, this VAR uh, business as well. But get your questions in and we'll come to those in around about five minutes time. So fill your boots. Um, VAR. So lots of controversy again at the start of this season. It feels like we're just never going to get to a point where VAR is not the biggest talking point following every weekend. 
of football. And it's annoying because the football is what we're all here for. The football is what we all love to see. And I wish we would get to a point at someday, uh, someday where VAR is not taking precedent in all of the discussions that we have. Now, I know that this is going to make me unpopular among a lot of Arsenal fans, but I don't actually think that that was a penalty on Kai Havertz against Manchester United. I think that was the correct decision from Anthony Taylor and his video assistant referees. I think it's easy to see why in real time he pointed to the spot. I was right behind it in real time and I was adamant that it was a Stonewall penalty. I was adamant that Wan-Bissaka had come across, that I think it was Casemiro from the other side had come across. They shut the door on the player. Contact was made, strong contact was made, enough contact to throw the player down onto the ground. What I think has happened, having watched it back now multiple times, is that Kai Havertz just accelerates in between the two, anticipates the contact from uh, Wan-Bissaka because he feels it um, at the sort of top of his left knee and then goes down. Uh, maybe he is knocked slightly off balance by it, but is it enough to warrant a penalty? I think if we start giving penalties for, for that kind of thing, we're going down a really, really dangerous path. I mean, you're going to be talking four or five a game. Nobody's going to make any challenges in the box. The game will be, for me, um, you know, well, they say the game's gone. It's heading that way, but it will be really gone if we start giving penalties for that, in my opinion. Um, take the Arsenal hat off. Forget that it was for us. Obviously, at the time I wanted it. Of course I did. But I think that decision was spot on. And when I've listened to the audio... Some of the audio that they've released around other decisions has been more baffling than, than clear, has given us more to mull over and think about than actual clarity, which is ultimately what we're after when we're wanting to hear uh, the discussions. But Anthony Taylor told the VAR as soon as he pointed to the spot that he felt that Juan Bissaka had tripped Kai Havertz and he asked them for help. Now, the VAR tells him, you know, bear with me a minute. I need a few angles. I'm going to have a look at a few different angles. And the VAR comes to the conclusion that in their opinion, uh, there's minimal, minimal contact. And the contact is initiated by Kai Havertz rather than uh, Juan Bissaka, who they believe kind of pulls out. They also check the attacking phase of play to make sure there's no offside, that there's nothing else uh, for which uh, play needs to be pulled back before then passing over to Anthony Taylor and saying, on-field review, it's up to you. Anthony Taylor asks if there's any contact, uh, and then he makes his way over to the screen. When he gets to the screen, he says, speak to me. You know, what am I waiting to see here? What am I expecting to see here? This is the only bit I don't like, because if you're asking them what you should be looking for, it's almost like they're planting a seed in your mind. So the VAR, in my opinion, should say, uh, we've reviewed it. Don't think it's a penalty. I recommend an on-field review. And Anthony Taylor, in my opinion, if we want to avoid re-refing football matches, should then go over to the screen and go, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to watch it again and I'm going to make my own mind up. The problem is that when you plant that seed of what Anthony Taylor should be looking for, you're swaying him. You're putting him in a position where um, where he's now looking for something that maybe he wasn't looking for initially. You know, that's that's my issue um, with with the way that this process works. But Anthony Taylor then looks at it um, 
and and I think comes to the right decision in the end. Now I know a lot of you disagree. Like Sooty FM says, Aaron Wan-Bissaka stepped across Havertz initially. Havertz's foot clipped Aaron Wan-Bissaka's knee, which trips him up. It's a penalty. Football's a contact sport. Like it, it's not any time there's contact, we have to point to the spot. And as I keep saying, if we do that, and if we start on that path you know, football is going to become a joke. Like it can't be any time there's any contact between two individuals and one goes down, we're giving a penalty kick for it. I don't think that that was enough to send Kai Havertz down. And he also takes another step before he goes down. Now, it's one of those that pre-VAR, nobody would have argued because they'd have looked at the replay and gone, well, there's a little bit of contact there. Um, you know, and you can understand why the referee's given it. Now, when we've got that extra uh, you know, layer of checks. We've got the additional video, the cameras, the angles, all the rest of it. I think we've got a duty to really um, sometimes take our time over these things and come to the right decision. I think it's the right decision. I think all of the major decisions in that game were correct. I don't think that Hoyland should have had a penalty. I don't think there was a foul by Gabriel in the build-up to the Rice goal. Um, I think Garnacho was offside based on the technology that we use all the rest of it. So I actually think this is an example of where the processes work quite well. If that penalty had been given against us, I would be absolutely livid. And sometimes in order to judge, judge a decision, you have to do that. You have to take your Arsenal hat off and think about what you would feel if that was given against you. To me, that is not a penalty kick. Um, if it is a penalty kick, it's a really, really soft decision. And I think that we need to get back to a place where the threshold is higher on these things because we've allowed football to become really soft. Um, we've allowed football to become a bit of a joke at times because of how easily we're um, willing to point to the spot or or rule things out for the most minuscule touches, all the rest of it. I, I think it was the right call. And actually listening to the VAR's process, even if I don't agree with the call, if I think the process is right, because a lot of it is opinion, then I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I find it easier to accept. I also listened to the audio from uh, the Onana foul against Wolves on the first week of the season, which they also released. And that one drove me insane because that is a wrong decision. And the logic and the process is, in my opinion, flawed, uh, not followed correctly, not to the same level uh, that we saw this process with regards to the Kai Havertz penalty being followed. And I think people have got every right to look at that particular instance and be critical and complain about it and say what they think about it. Um, but when it comes to the Kai Havertz one, I think it was right. Anyway, um, let's take some of your comments on this. We'll take some of your questions as well. So start getting your questions in uh, to the chat box. Uh, Paul James, just to finish on this, says, so we are asking referees to re-referee decisions. I, I think, Paul, that the VAR should say, I'm not sure about that. You go and have a look. On-field review, go and have a look. And then not tell the referee why they've come to that conclusion. Because then the referee gets an opportunity to have a look at it for himself and make his own decision. If he's being told you're looking for X, Y or Z, then his decision is influenced, in my opinion, because he's had that seed planted. So I think that what you should do is you should go, Anthony Taylor, we've had a look at this. We're not sure that's a penalty. We should, uh, we recommend an on-field review. Here are the angles that we've looked at. Anthony Taylor goes over, watches it again, and then decides 
without having any seeds planted in his mind as to what he's looking for. Because only then is the referee making his own decision. Only this time you've given him the tools, hopefully, to make a more accurate one because he's got access to replays and angles that he didn't have in real time. That's what VAR should be for me. I know people have a different opinion on that. Let's uh, let's go uh, through the chat box and see uh, what you guys are saying. Damien Hill says it's very rare that a ref sticks to his original decision once you get an on-field review. Exactly because of that very point uh, about seeds being planted. Uh, Lovely Lion says there is no consistency, though, Harry. We watched Rashford get one of them the week before. Agreed. And that penalty shouldn't have been awarded. Consistency is a massive, massive issue. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to say that you should make a wrong call here because there was a wrong one last week. If we keep playing that game, we'll never get better and things will never improve. Um, what else have we got? Um, Salah Hadeen says, question, but it's not a question. <laughs> Harry, it is a penalty. All angles were not looked at. They, they've got the angles that they've got, mate. Like, we don't know all the angles um, that are available. I don't know how many cameras are in the ground or anything like that. So, um, yeah, uh, to me, it's it's fine. Um, Sooty FM says, outside the box, a free kick is given all day long. Players fall on the floor when they have nowhere to go and refs give a free kick every time. Why is it different in the box? Because a penalty is a game-changing situation. A free kick on the halfway line could lead to a goal, but it isn't as big an advantage as earning a penalty kick. And that's why, you know, we can't nitpick and, and check every single decision that's why we limit it to penalty decisions because penalty decisions have a greater potential to be game changing. Um, so, uh, yeah, kind of that's where I stand on that. Um, as I say, get some questions uh, in for me. We'll take this one uh, from Jarman in just a second. But if I could quickly remind you, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Also, subscribe to the channel. If you're brand new, that helps as well as we continue on our journey towards the 30,000 mark. We've only got 58 likes on the board, which when you consider how many of you are watching, is awful. Come on, um, help, a, help a guy out here. Uh, click that like button. Doesn't cost a thing. Okay. Um, Lovely Lion says, what happens when we see an identical one given next match week? We all know we'll see soft pens given like the Rashford one last week all season. Well, then we have to start to question the consistency. That's the problem. What I'm saying is there's clearly a problem with the standard of officiating in this league. There's clearly a problem with the way VAIs inconsistently operated and utilised. And we need to get better with that. But that doesn't mean that I think that that's a penalty because the Rashford one was last week. Last week, I was whinging, moaning, complaining about the Rashford one. How can I sit here now this week and say, oh, no, but that was a penalty. So this one definitely is. Then I'm asking for then I'm asking for consistently bad decisions. And I don't want that. I want the game to be better. Yeah, of course, you want your team to benefit and all the rest of it. But I don't want consistently bad officiating. I want us to get to a point where we go, hold on a minute, we need to fix this. And and so, you know, if I'm going to hammer them when they get it wrong, I've got to give them praise and props when they get it right. Uh, Jarman Property says, do you think we will need a rebuild in our midfield next season again with Partey, Jorginho and Elneny clocking 30 and above? I, I think Elneny 
could even go in January, to be honest with you. I think this was very much a, you know, you've been a loyal servant to the club for all these years. You've got this injury problem. We're going to give you some time and an opportunity to get through that. We're not going to kick you to the curb, leave you without a club and all the rest of it. Um, but I don't think there is any intention really to use Mohamed on any as a part of the squad. Um, Jason says, does this actually give the insight on how referees view VAR? As in, they seem to view it as undermining their on-field decisions. Maybe refs should be making the apologies, not the PGMOL. Ultimately, the PGMOL are responsible for the referees. And um, and so, um, you know, so they're obviously going to be the ones that take the, the fall when these things go wrong. Um yeah, look, I think I think what you're saying is is I get where you're coming from, but I think the opposite. I think the referees are almost leaning on VAR now to the point where they won't make a big controversial decision if they're not sure because they think, well, I've got that safety net of VAR in the background, and that's where I think it it doesn't work. Also, referees have to be just brave enough to go, I got it wrong and I've seen it again and I'm changing my mind. And unfortunately, we don't see enough of those situations where they overturn their own decision. Um, and uh, and I'd like to see more of that going forward. Uh, rather than when a referee points to the spot, everybody desperately trying to find a reason as to why they're right. It should be, let's just check it. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. There should be no shame in that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Jay says, have you seen Charlie start to the season with Swansea? He's cooking nicely. His assist this week was amazing. Young Charlie Patino, of course, playing his football out on loan at Swansea City. He needs it. He needs to develop. He needs to continue growing. He needs to continue improving. All of the rest of it. Um, I can't wait to see uh, how he does. And I hope one day to see him in an Arsenal shirt. But, you know, this this thing, like when you have an academy product, people always go, it's perfect to have an academy that provides players and then you put them into the first team. That's one scenario. But another good scenario is to produce these players and then be able to sell them for a profit and fund deals for your first team. And I do feel like at this moment, um, Charlie Patino is one of those players that's probably more likely to be sold on for a profit than to be a, a permanent fixture in this Arsenal team. But you never know. You never know. Okay. Um I think I'm going to take one more um, before I disappear into the sunshine outside. Um, Damien Kelly says, why does Rashford always have a good game against Ben White? Why does the flop Anthony always look good against us? Is it because Zinni uh, inverts and vacates a lot of space to him? So I don't think Anthony looked good at all. I I'm, I'm not really sure what makes you think that I, I thought he was largely ineffective um i thought he was really poor i didn't think he had any impact in the game whatsoever as for um rashford i think rashford's a top player when he's playing from the left hand side i think he can cause anybody problems obviously that is compounded by the fact that zinchenko is asked to go in field and that means that he is naturally going to be slower getting out to those uh, left back positions to cover that area of the park and naturally that means that Anthony or whoever's playing on the right flank for the opposition is going to get that little bit more time um, but I think that's that's part of the system that's a, a system fault um, and it's one that Arteta is willing to accept in order to to exert control in the middle of the park but yeah that's that Okay, um, I'm going to leave it there guys uh, we've been going for uh, over half an hour Um going to catch up with you guys tomorrow with another edition of the podcast until then 
Take care of yourselves. Have a great evening and uh, all the best up the Arsenal. Hope you enjoyed the show. Cheers. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs> 